0: Please be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The word of God that is before us today comes from Ezekiel chapter 33. We begin reading at the 10th verse. Therefore you, O son of man, say to the house of Israel, thus you say, if our transgressions and our sins lie upon us and we pine away in them, how can we then live? Say to them, As I live, says the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? Therefore, O son of man, say to the children of your people, The righteousness of the righteous man shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression. As for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall because of it in that day that he turns from his wickedness, nor shall the righteous be able to live because of his righteousness in that day that he sins. When I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, but he trusts in his own righteousness and commits iniquity, none of his righteous works shall be remembered. But because of the iniquity that he has committed, he shall die." Again, when I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, if he turns from his sin and does what is lawful and right, if the wicked restores the pledge, gives back what he has stolen, and walks in the statutes of life without committing iniquity, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of his sins which he has committed shall be remembered against him. He has done what is lawful and right. He shall surely live. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Your word is truth. Sanctify us by your truth. Amen. So I heard all the warnings, and I chose not to listen to them. This winter, uh, weather was hitting the Midwest really hard. We had a lot of snow, winter weather uh, warnings, blizzards coming at us, but my family wanted to go to Texas for Christmas. So we watched the radar. We paid attention to the map to see which roads were closed. We saw that they weren't towing any vehicles who went off the side of the road, but we decided to go anyway. And right away, it was pretty clear this was a questionable decision. The, the visibility was about 10 or 20 feet. The wind was blowing so hard to the side that all the, all the snow from the side of the road was blowing across the road. We couldn't see We stopped at Quick Trip to get gas, and the the gas was frozen into a sludge in the line that took about 40 minutes to fill our tank for the trip. And we thought, well, maybe if we just get further south. But we got to Iowa, sorry, Iowa, Uh, we got to Iowa, and they'd announced that the interstate was closed, and we would have to go on side roads to try to get through Iowa. Uh, This was not looking good. In fact, we even um, were behind a plow, thankfully, for a while, but the plow stopped to clear an intersection, and while we stopped, our wheels froze solid so that they wouldn't roll. I had to get out and push the car so that um, my wife and my four kids and I, our vehicle, could get get rolling again. So you can imagine then, at that point, what I'm thinking about is, I'm thinking about, first of all, stay calm, because you don't want to make it worse by making a rash decision. Second of all, I'm imagining bad things happening to my family, so it's hard for me to stay calm. And third, I'm praying, God, I'm sorry. I don't deserve to be rescued from this disaster that I brought upon myself because I chose my own path. I had warnings, but I chose not to listen to them. And that's what our text today is about. It's about listening to the watchman, listening to the warnings that God sends. So in Ezekiel chapter 33 um, this is the chapter where God teaches Ezekiel what it means to be a watchman he says for you as the watchman you are to tell the people the warnings that I give you to tell and then it's not up to you to decide whether they will listen to you or whether they will turn away from the warnings that I give you your job is to be the watchman And we know that Ezekiel was the prophet to the people of God when they were in captivity in Babylon. And at this point in the middle of Ezekiel, for sure, uh, Jerusalem is decimated, it's destroyed. And so the people are feeling pretty hopeless. But instead of looking inward to see how their sin caused this problem, the judgment that was brought on the people of Israel, instead they pointed to their parents' generation. They said, it was their sin that brought us here to captivity They were quick to point out the sin in others, but they were looking at themselves and thinking maybe they were good enough, maybe they had been good enough that God would now bring them back, that he would deliver them because of their goodness. And this section of scripture makes it very clear that we don't get delivered, we don't get salvation by our own goodness. So as we look at the text and apply it to ourselves, then I think it's important for us to recognize how we make the same mistake that the people of God were making in Ezekiel's time. We are well-trained on what is right and wrong. We know the scripture. We know what sin is, and we're quick to point it out when we see it out there. And in fact, when we see sin out there, it's easy for us to see, oh, that's not just a bad action. That's selfishness, or that's laziness, or that's flawed logic. But when I see a bad action in myself... It's harder for me to admit that that's flawed logic. In fact, I tend to blame outside circumstances. That's, that happened to me. Um, this is called the fundamental attribution error, where we have a hard time seeing the internal problems here, but it's easy for us to, to imagine the, the internal problems in someone else when really we have no idea what they were thinking. We don't know all the circumstances. So what God would ask us to do is be gracious with those people out there when we see an error because we don't know the whole story. But when we look in here, this is the time that we can be honest with ourselves and say, I do know my sin. I do know my flawed logic. I do know my selfishness because I'm experiencing it. I'm hoping that the picture of the blizzard in Iowa will help us with this because really what we do is if we end up in the ditch, we think, well, I'm innocent. I just ended up in the ditch. I don't know how it happened. But if someone else is in the ditch, we drive by and we think, ah, uh, they were probably reckless. They were driving too quickly. And we are, we're reading the hearts of a car that might even just be empty sitting in the ditch um, because that's easier for us than to look into our own hearts. So then when we start to do that, then we recognize that God's word is a huge blessing for us because it shows us the patterns of sin and then God invites us to look at ourselves. So a couple of the patterns that, that we see um, in the people of Israel are, are really easy for us to recognize. One of them is that when a prophet would tell them a message that they didn't like to hear, they would reject that prophet. When, when something was uncomfortable, when they didn't, they didn't like the news that God was giving them, they would reject it and put Jeremiah in a hole in the ground rather than listening to the prophecy that God had sent through him. So how do I make that same mistake? What do I do when I hear something from God that I don't like? It makes me uncomfortable, whether it's my own sin, whether it's a teaching that doesn't drive with me, whether my, my mind has a hard time understanding how God could have such a thing be true. Well, sometimes I push those truths to the side or I let them sit away and I, I try not to think about them or, or I move away from those teachings sinfully, selfishly, thinking I might know better, then God, what is the truth? I think you too have chosen the path of death in that way. Another pattern that I see in the people of Israel, and I think you see it too, is that it was so easy for them to um, be influenced by the community of the people who lived around them. They would fall into the same idolatry of the people that they lived and moved and, and spent their time with. So then I look in here and I have to say, well, where is my idolatry? What am I being influenced uh, to do to follow the pattern of the world so I could confess to you that I have worshipped at the Netflix altar far too often thinking that if I just watch one more episode, then I'm going to have more peace and happiness, right? Or if I think about it, I have been influenced by my culture to dedicate mountains of time and energy to following my favorite sports team right and that's not the pattern that god set for me that's the pattern that i see around me and so i justify it it's not a sin to be a fan of the milwaukee bucks i hope but um it's not Um, but if i dedicate my time and my energy to that then i'm following the pattern of the world and not the pattern that god has put forth in his word and so he can call me to task when he shows me the israelites And I can see that same sin in myself and I can see that I have chosen the path of death. One more example from um, the Old Testament. I see the way that they allowed their temptations to live right next door to them. Whether it's Lot choosing to live near Sodom and Gomorrah or whether it's Samson allowing the temptation to live right in his house in his bride, Delilah. It's easy for me to see, that's dangerous. Why would you let your temptation sit right next to you like that? But then in my own life, when I see something and I even label it, yeah, that's, that's a temptation. Those cookies or something much worse than cookies, that's a temptation. I don't push it away. I think, oh, I'm strong enough to fight against that. Or maybe I'll just give in a little bit, but I can stop whenever I want. So I have chosen the path of death just like the Israelites did. So after all of this choosing the path of death, thankfully... God didn't only send Ezekiel. He didn't only send the watchman. God calls Ezekiel the son of man and tells him to pronounce these warnings. But he also tells Ezekiel to prophesy the deliverance from Babylon and the coming salvation that's going to come in the greater, ultimate son of man, Jesus. So when you and I see into ourselves and know that we've chosen death, Then we look to see Jesus come into the world this time of year. We spend a lot of time with Jesus and we watch him take our sinfulness onto himself. We watch him suffer physically, getting beaten and tortured for our sin. We see the weight of our sin and the sin of the world on his shoulders. We watch him die for us so that even though we chose the path of death, he could give us life. And you and I confess and believe that because Jesus lived and died and rose again, now when God looks at me and you, he doesn't see all of those times that we've chosen death. He sees his perfect son, Jesus. And he accepts the sacrifice that Jesus made so that you and I could live. The Bible teaches us that in our baptism, that we died with Jesus and we rose again with him to new life. And that's kind of what I felt like happened to me last December. That I chose to go the path of death and God brought me to safe haven in Iowa, yay Iowa, Um, to um, be alive again. I had new life. You and I have new life in Christ. We do not have to be burdened by the sins we have in the past. I actually like the way that Ezekiel 33 uh, words this. It says none of the sins that you have committed will be remembered against you. None of the sins that you have committed will be remembered against you. None of the sins that you have committed will be remembered against you. That's how sure we are in the grace that we have because of what Jesus did for us. That's how much joy we can have in our new life. We know that none of the sins will will be remembered against us. That day in Iowa, we arrived safely at a hotel, and we were filled with such joy to even be breathing. I could say I'm standing before you today because God wanted me to be alive. But that's true for you too, that you're breathing today, that you're alive today because God wanted to give you life, and he has given you new life. And so my prayer for you is that with that new life, that would result in thanksgiving that you would give God all the credit for all of the blessings that you have been given, that it would overflow in your conversations. Anybody who's inside your circle of influence, whether it's in class or in the cafeteria or in the dorms or on the internet, that they would see that you're giving God a good name for all the wonderful things that he has done for you. Instead of spending your time on the internet, maybe judging other people and pointing out their sin, that you would give God a good name because you're so thankful for what Jesus has done for you and I also pray that you would learn like me to try to see ourselves more honestly see ourselves the way that God sees us God knows our sin as well as we do even better we can stand before him though honestly and trust that even though he knows our sin he sees that perfection of Jesus when he looks at us and so he looks at us as his beloved children And so you and I can learn to see ourselves honestly when we spend time in Scripture and we see those patterns. We're not going to see it perfectly on this side of heaven, but we can pray that God would help us to see ourselves this way, that we have chosen the path of death, but God has given us life. Amen. Please rise for prayer. God, I ask that you fill us with joy and thankfulness because you have done what we could not do. We could not live in a way that would earn us salvation, but you lived in a way that earned us all salvation. Forgive us for the times that we have not wanted to look into your word because it makes us uncomfortable, but instead remember that when we look into your word, we see that we are loved and saved. Thank you so much for that. In your name we pray. Amen.